Good morning, everyone, wherever you're watching online. My name's Paul Hayes. I'm part of the volunteer team here at the Door of Hope. Do you have a movie that comes to mind when I mention the words friendship, love, loyalty, courage? Is it Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Lord of the Rings, Goodwill Hunting, The Shawshank Redemption? Can you just watch the screen and you'll see a clip of the movie that I've selected? You is kind, you is smart, you is important. You is smart, you is kind, you is important. The movie is called The Help, and it's a fictional story set in the southern USA in 1960s during severe racial violence. And it's a story about black maids working for white households, raising their children and doing all their household chores. The main character, a black maid, has several significant relationships. One of them was with that young child in the clip there. And her love and loyalty for that young child is inspirational. You is kind, you is smart, you is important. Even when the child's parents treated her as a second-class citizen. The other relationship she had was with a young woman who, in a, who was raised in a white family who had a maid. And in a moment of social awakening, she desires to write a book about those black maids. And she encouraged the black maid to tell her story and several others told their story as well. And in writing the book, The Help, they were um, possibly you know, subject to severe retribution from the community for challenging social attitudes and behaviours. But their courage to stand up against that injustice was really inspirational. And the mother of that young woman who wrote the book, in a moment of self-reflection over her own racial hatred, said that courage sometimes skips a generation. Thank you for bringing it back to our family. Now this sermon series that we've been looking at is called People of the Fine Print. Some of those people that are maybe not so prominent within the Bible story, but nevertheless important in God's redemptive story of love. And such stories are in the Bible because they're real people. And we get the warts and all version, not the Sunday sanitised version. I reckon we've all had our fill of sanitizer at present. We get a window into a vulnerable family coping with life. Today, I'm looking at the life of Jonathan. First, some context. His name means Jehovah's gift, and he certainly was a gift to Israel, but also to King David, more importantly. He was from the family line of Benjamin. He lived about 1050 BC, and he was the first son of the first king of Israel, King Saul, and his mother Ahinoab. And there was an expectation that he would become king after Saul. He was about 10, roughly 10 when his father was crowned. He had one son, Mephibosheth, and he lived in the royal court. He was well-educated, probably, and a leader. And you could imagine Jonathan in high school, all his peers would have nominated him the person most likely to have success and everything laid out for him, how wrong they would be. Some more context. He was about 25 when his father was rejected as king 
and his father Saul was a tyrannical, tyrannical man. He had homicidal tendencies for anyone who thwarted his desires, even if it was a family member. It was a period of major Philistine oppression at the time, and Jonathan died when his son Mephibosheth was five, and his son became crippled shortly after his death. A little more context about the family atmosphere that Jonathan lived within, and I believe it was influenced with events that unfolded after Saul was proclaimed king. Now Saul wasn't willing to hear or obey the Lord, and at the ceremony where he was actually proclaimed king, I believe a seed of resentment came upon Saul. And resentment's one of those emotions of comparison, and it says, this isn't the way it should be. Now we read in 1 Samuel 10:26 that Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some troublemakers said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. But Saul kept silent. Silence can be a breeding ground for resentment. You give Satan a foothold and it could quickly develop into a stronghold. It shows me the importance of really keeping short accounts so that things don't fester. We read in James 5, 16, confess your sins and pray for one another so you can be healed. Are there issues that you are harbouring into resentment? Perhaps saying to yourself, this isn't how it should be. Do you have accountability relationships to speak into your life? It might be a connect group, it might be a spouse, a friend, a pastor. I know early in my marriage, I wasn't very good at uh, dealing with conflict. I would either try to avoid it or give the silent treatment. My warts were on show. Thankfully, I had a loving uh, wife who helped me modify that behaviour. So on the backdrop of all this context of Jonathan, just like the movie The Help, I'm inspired by his character traits of love, loyalty, courage and also contentment that were really shaped through significant trials in his life but also his godly choices. Now Jonathan was first introduced in the Bible at 1 Samuel 13 and he's around about 25. And I've got four major points to today's message. The first is that faith-inspired purpose fuels courage. He's first mentioned in the Bible, it's a battle scene. And where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. A quote by Martin Luther, but very pertinent to today's message. It's a time of Philistine oppression, but Jonathan knew the place for battle and that the battle was the Lord's and he was there for a reason. The Israelites had been dominated by the Philistines who had all the blacksmithing under their control such that of the 3,000 Israelites, only Saul and Jonathan had swords. And even that number had dropped 3,000. That had dropped from 300,000 a decade or so earlier. And in a show of Jonathan's confidence in his God, 
and courage, he attacked a Philistine outpost. Saul was unaware of that, but he took the credit, his first sign of pride. And he had the trumpets blown, da-da-da-da, you know, Saul has attacked the Philistine outposts. You know, and he summoned all the Israelites to meet him at Gilgal. And the arrangement was that Samuel would be there seven days later to give the fellowship and the burnt offerings. But that attack that uh, Jonathan led really um, angered the Philistines and they gathered in number to attack the, the Israelites such that a lot of the Israelites were quaking in fear, hiding in caves and thickets. And a lot of them had deserted the place. Saul, in fear, gave those offerings without waiting for Samuel to come. And so his disobedience to the Lord led to Samuel's declaration that his kingdom would not endure. That little seed of resentment in Saul again being watered. Now, Saul's fear is contrasted with Jonathan's courage. Although there were only 600 men left, he wasn't going to quake with fear and hide in a cave and ask, what will become of me? His attitude was, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, Steve, Pastor Steve's message last week encouraged us to consider fears that might have us hiding in caves. And I want to reinforce that call today. Do you need faith-inspired courage to come out from a cave that you're hiding in? I know for Kathy and I, when we first became Christians, we had some really close friends that we'd been friends with for a long time and we were sharing our decision with them and we had our fish sticker on the back of the car and they said, oh, we try to run those cars off the road. Well, that really shook us for a while and it changed the relationship a little, a little as well. But, you know, some time later, it was actually at my father's funeral, we had an opportunity to really minister to them and we just talked to them for hours about our changed life. And within three months, they'd contacted us to say, we've given our lives to the Lord. And that certainly gave Kathy and I an added shot of courage. But back to Jonathan's courage, he sought God and speaking to his armour bearer said in 1 Samuel 14, verses 6 to 7, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all you have in mind, his armour bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you in heart and soul. Now, wouldn't you love that armour bearer on your team? And I believe today that's a word for somebody. Maybe God's given you a vision or somebody has spoken a prophetic word over you to step out in that and perhaps you'll be surprised by the armour bearers that come alongside you. Faith inspires faith, courage inspires courage, loyalty inspires loyalty. Now, Jonathan and his armour bearer set out. None of the Israelites knew that they had gone. But God gave Jonathan the strategy. And they were in a pass near Michmash, and it had steep cliffs on either side. And if the Philistines called them up, that would be a sign that the Lord had given them into their hands. They were significantly outnumbered, like I'm talking two against many thousands, and it didn't make earthly sense. And my four-year-old grandson, Noah, has recently been saying, you're kidding me. Well, this was one of those you're kidding me moments. But such was their faith and courage that 
when they were called up, you know, they scrambled up on all fours, killed about 20 men in a small area, and then the Lord sent fear and confusion into their ranks, and they panicked. They started slaying one another. The irony is that they had control of all, you know, the sword-making blacksmiths, and they were using those same swords to kill one another. But then in comes pride-filled Saul. He wasn't in part of that initial battle that Jonathan and his armour-bearer had, had fought. And Saul declares that no one should eat until he has avenged himself on his enemies. No glory to God or thanks to Jonathan and his armour-bearer, only self-focus. And Saul's pride was... Um, sorry, as it happened, Jonathan ate honey in the woods. He wasn't aware of the, the oath that Saul had uh, given. And such was Saul's pride that he was ready to kill, him, kill his son because he had egg on his face. Well, the people really loved Jonathan. He had a loyal heart for Israel and they stood up for that injustice of Saul to Jonathan, stepped in, recognised Saul's lack of discernment and saved Jonathan. More resentment watering for Saul. We'll soon see that Jonathan is willing to stand up for the injustice of Saul to David and that cycle of faith, courage and loyalty is perpetuated. Roll the clock forward, 15 or so years, the spirit of the Lord had continued to depart from Saul, that resentment eating away at him, tormented by an evil spirit that could be soothed by music. Music calms the savage beast. Well, we know that's only a temporary fix. Saul's attendants suggested they find somebody who could play the harp and one of them said, hey, David can do that and the Lord's with him. Enter David. Now Samuel had earlier anointed David to become king after Saul and Saul was initially unaware of that. Now the relationship started well. It had its first major test with the story of David and Goliath. It didn't go well for the relationship. Saul's pride and envy got in the way. Now Saul didn't have the courage to fight Goliath, but he wanted to get part of the glory by giving David his armour to wear. He wanted to do the original Old Testament sponsorship deal like Nike, you know, and make it known that David was wearing Saul-branded armour. Um, he was insulted when David said, no, I won't do that. He was also angered when the women in the streets uh, praised David more than Saul. And he was envious that after that um, David slaying Goliath, that Jonathan made a covenant with David, a lifelong promise. Hold on to that covenant, we'll come back to that. With Jonathan giving David his uniform and his sword, that David wouldn't use Saul's previously. We read in James, verse 3, 16, For where you have envy and every selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Back to that covenant. My second point for today, covenant, love and loyalty makes a way where there does not seem to be a way. Now this growing conflict between Saul and David and as we'll soon see Saul trying to kill David and there does not seem to be a way for David's succession to king. But this covenant 
says in 1 Samuel 20 verse 4, whatever you say, I will do for you. The depth of that covenant love and loyalty is seen in practical ways. Jonathan realised he needed to step aside for one greater to come in, David. Such a parallel with John the Baptist and Jesus. He was basically laying down his ambition, future kingship. He didn't ask, you know, what will I get in return or when will it be my turn? This covenant love and loyalty didn't keep score. And whilst this is a man-made covenant, praise God, as Christians, we have a new everlasting covenant with God mediated through Jesus. A third point, contentment and trust go hand in hand. And what a sign of Jonathan's contentment, his inward state of mind. He trusted that God's plan is best, that God can work all things for good. Jonathan's attitude was, what can I do to make way for God's anointed? Has God been speaking with you about particular ministries or individuals to support? Perhaps you could be one of those armour bearers supporting God's anointed. And Kathy and I are part of the prayer team and we just so love supporting Judy East and her servant heart for that team. But back to Jonathan, in the middle of that conflict between Saul and David, and what a roller coaster of emotion. And some suggest that David had lived in that royal palace for up to seven years, and Saul you know, tried to kill him with a sword, um, you know, th- uh, spear, sorry, threw spear at him, used his own daughter to try to ensnare him, used his power to try to coerce Jonathan and attendants in not so subtle a way, you know, kill him. And some make fun with mother-in-law jokes, but who wants a father-in-law like Saul? My fourth point today is if confronted by a negative spirit, operate in an opposing spirit. Following Saul's insistence that Jonathan kill David, he didn't respond, yes, father, I'll do it. He stood up for injustice with courage on several occasions. He operated in an opposing spirit. And we read in 1 Samuel 19, verses 4 to 5, that Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul and also said, why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? And this attitude was evident in Jonathan's life throughout it. Instead of resentment, contentment. Instead of fear, courage instead of words of death, words of life. And when Satan tempts us towards self-interest or preservation, will we stand up against injustice or for a cause? The government's recently introduced a national redress scheme that offers compensation for child victims of sexual abuse through institutions. And the government gave the institutions the ability to opt into that scheme or not. And I was so impressed that our church had opted into that scheme very early. Now back to Saul and his evil. He, it came to a crescendo at a new moon festival and they would share dinner at the royal palace on a regular basis and 
for two nights in a row, David wasn't there. And Saul quizzed Jonathan as to why that was the case. And the answer that he got from Jonathan just sent him into a rage. You son of a perverse woman and rebellious woman, sided with the son of Jesse. Bring him to me, he must die, he said. And then he tried to spear Jonathan. You can imagine living in that royal palace, you know, walking down the hallway and going past Saul's room, peering in, wondering whether he's playing with his spear or not. I need to practice my spear dodging today or not. Saul didn't know the place for battle. He was fighting flesh and blood, his own, not realising the battle is against the evil powers of darkness. But you can imagine at that dinner, Jonathan would have been tempted to just slink away in shame, being abused by his father in front of everyone. But Jonathan stood up with righteous anger against injustice and helped David to flee. And David was from then on a fugitive, on the run, Saul trying to find him whatever way he could. Jonathan's courage is again shown. He went out to meet Horish, uh, David at Horish to encourage him with a reminder of his initial commissioning by Samuel. We read in 1 Samuel 23, 17 to 18. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I'll be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Several that they made over the years. But what contentment. Jonathan was killed in battle with his father and two brothers shortly after this event. And I asked myself, how could he still have fought alongside his father who had treated him like that and treated many others like that as well? The power and miracle of God-empowered forgiveness. Jonathan's death is a reminder of how fragile life is. And he wasn't to know he'd be killed in battle with his father and brothers. He desired to be 2IC to David. James 4.14 says, You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Who would have thought seven months ago we'd be where we are at the moment with COVID-19? Do you realise during the time of this message, worldwide, 3,000 people will die? Are you prepared if your life would be taken tomorrow? Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And whilst Jonathan didn't get to see David crowned king, he honoured the covenant that he made with David and he ushered in a new period of prosperity for the Israelites. And the depth of that covenant love and loyalty is shown in David's grief. He tore his clothes, he mourned, he fasted and he wrote a lament which included... Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful. It's also shown in David wanting to bless Jonathan's family, his son, Mephibosheth, with an inheritance, land, and a seat at the table to eat with the king for life. And the poignant part is that Mephibosheth called himself a dead dog. But David's mercy and grace was available to him. And what a parallel with Jesus dragging us out of the miry clay. My encouragement to you today is just as Jonathan was not bound 
or disqualified by the dysfunctions of their family of origin or his circumstances, neither are you. Jesus can restore and heal. Now, the Bible story is encapsulated in God's redemptive love for the people he created, though they fell brought back to relationship with him through the amazing love of our saviour Jesus for those who proclaim Jesus as Lord he is the basis of our story which we build cooperatively with the Holy Spirit God has a story for each of us he's building his church story by story your story matters and it's not just a series of unconnected events and then you die he has a plan and a purpose for you now. Now you might be in a position where your life seems dysfunctional, lacking purpose, it might be drug and alcohol issues or rebellious children or family strife, depression, envy, resentment. Jesus is willing and able to rescue you. A song has been placed on my heart for many months now called Rescue by Lauren Daigle and as I read some of these lyrics my prayer is that the words would touch your heart and be sealed to your spirit you are not hidden there's never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you've been broken you are not defenseless I'll be your shelter I'll be your armor I hear your SOS. I hear you whisper, you have nothing left. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight. It's true. I will rescue you. Now, if God is challenging you that you need a saviour, Jesus, to rescue you and author your story and you haven't made that decision we have a team of people online willing to pray with you and support you in a decision to follow Jesus just as Mephibosheth had a seat to eat at the king's table for life Jesus desires that you have a seat to eat at the table of the king eternally or perhaps God is challenging you to more fully walk into the story he has prepared for you. That same prayer team is available for you. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak to each of us today and that lives may be changed at your prompting. In Jesus' name, amen.